Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 22 this morning. Matthew chapter 22. Um, to set this up, uh, I want to start out by giving the definition of identity. Identity is the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. The fact of being who or what a person or thing is. And I'm going to tell a little bit about me in, in my opening. I'm going to try to make it brief. Um, so before I came here, um, I worked at Ingalls and stuff. But even before then, whenever I was a fairly young Christian, I was actually a youth pastor whenever I was about 18, 19 years old. Um, I was obviously way too young to be in the ministry at the time. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, along with that, I also had a girlfriend who I was convinced uh, was going to be my forever mate. It was not Megan. Um, it was another random person. And whenever I was there, uh, I was working a part-time job and just become full-time at Lifeway Christian Stores. Um, and so I was full-time at Lifeway. I was a youth minister part-time. And I was a full-time, whatchamacallit, to this girl. I don't know what I even was. And my identity rested completely and solely in the fact that I was a youth minister. Ever since I had gotten my calling on September 15th of 2015, I had been super excited to serve the Lord. I actually told my parents uh, as soon as I got called um, that I would finish reading the Bible completely in a week and I would be ready to pastor my first church, um, which was stupid. But um, what it was is my identity was consumed. The reason why I know this is because somebody could randomly come up to me and they would be like, hey, excuse me, do you know what time it is? I'd be like, oh, hey, I'm a youth pastor. They would say, oh, okay. They would ask me well, what I do for a living. I was like, oh, I'm a youth pastor. They would ask me who I am. Oh, I'm a youth pastor. Oh, I'm, I'm the boyfriend to this girl. You see, both of those things completely consumed me. And what my identity was was resting in my ability and what I could do. And all of a sudden, it was taken away, and I was left with nothing. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your holy day and for us to be able to come worship you. I ask you please to be with me, dear Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the words that the folks need to hear. God, open up their hearts to you. Help us to worship you. In your name I pray, amen. So the first thing that we learn here in verse 34, I'll read it one more time. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. At this point, Jesus Christ and his ministry had been attacked three times. He'd been attacked by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, and the elders. They attacked his authority. They asked him if it was lawful to pay taxes to Caesar. And they also asked about the woman and her seven husbands. Jesus had silenced them completely. There's a Greek word that's used here for silence called phimo. It means to literally muzzle. Jesus Christ had the authority to completely muzzle them. 
In Mark chapter 1, the the Bible uses the same exact Greek word to say that Jesus muzzled a demon. In Mark chapter 4, it says that Jesus muzzled or silenced the storm. What we learn here is Jesus has power and strength. The Pharisees were mad and they decided that they would come together in a great plan. Verse 35. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Another way to say this is to trick him. See, a lawyer at the time was an expert of the Old Testament law. He knew it like the back of his hand. He could recite it. And not only that, but he could argue his point to anybody who came. He come to trick him. You see, the Pharisees were raging war on the Son of God because he was taking their power away. Their power away from the church for preaching a false gospel. This false gospel rested on the boasting of man. On the lifting of man and the power that they felt like they had over God. Jesus Christ was saying idolatry should not have any place whatsoever in the church. But God's holy word should be the greatest. The Pharisees did not like this. Verse 36. Teacher. Which is the great commandment in the law? What a peculiar question. There were 613 commandments at this point. 613. There was 248 positive commandments. And there was 365 negative commandments. The 248 was for every part of the human body as to what they believed. And the 365 were for every day of the year. The people knew that they could not uphold every single commandment that was there. There's 613 of them. So what they did is they divided the commandments into heavy and light commandments, or important and unimportant. Here's the problem with that. If you break one commandment, you've broken the entirety of the law of God. And you have sinned completely against God, and therefore you are guilty before God. James chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty in all. If you uphold one law, then you have to uphold all the law. They didn't like that. Now we're going to really dive into the meat of the scripture. This is... So important. And before I read this, I want to let y'all know that this has been on my heart since I got here to this church. Not because of anybody or anything. God just laid it on my heart. And as you know, baby Hester was born, and that's why I have an opportunity to preach. But this was laid on my heart, I feel, by the Holy Spirit. And the amazing thing is, is that Ethan has preached uh, about the significance of the law and how we are called to uphold the law even today. Another thing is, is um, in the student worship on Wednesday nights, we've been going through the first John. I inherited that from Ethan as well. And the amazing thing with that is it's this scripture. The awesome thing is I serve a God who is so great. He can lay something on my heart three months ago. And it works so perfectly today. Verse 37. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus here is quoting from the Torah in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. 
And what, what, what's happened here is we're, we're filled with an imagery, an imagery of a room. This room is a representation of the law. And there's pegs that are hanging from the ceiling, 613 of them. It's cluttered. It's defiled by man. Jesus Christ comes in here and looks at the hanging pegs. And he takes all of them out except two. And he takes them down. And he starts describing them. He says, this lies the entirety of the commandments in the Christian life. These are two separate pegs that go together as one. And we'll get more into that next week as this will be a two-part series. Jesus is quoting the Shammah, which is the oral creed of Judaism. It hung on people's houses and they wore it on their foreheads and their wrists. This was something that was very well known to all the people. They knew exactly what he was saying. This is something that they had to repeat morning and evening, every day and every year. Jesus quotes this to say that all the rules and regulations are not what matters most. But what is most important is the loving relationship that one has with God. He says all of yourself with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. With all means lacking none or completely. This is where your identity comes into. And in this moment, I know we're getting late in time, and I'm very, very sorry for this, but, but this is a very, very important message. In this moment, look into your heart, look into your soul, and look into your mind and see where your identity is lying currently. What is the most important thing in your life? Let's break this down. The heart is the love, God, the, the love for God at the core of your being. Completely focused on God. It's incomplete devotion. The heart is in complete devotion to God. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your devotion? Are you devoted to dead works like the Pharisees and Sadducees? Are you devoted to power and control? Are you devoted to God or only for an hour on Sunday? Your soul is to love God with your emotions and consciousness. The soul is what gives me and you life. To love God with all of your life, with all of who you are and who you want to be. This is your desire. Your soul is a representation of the desire that you have. The desire should be like Christ. Who are you? And finally, it says, with all of your mind. These are your thoughts. This is where you get your strength. We learn in Mark, he, he, whenever he gives the account of this, he says, with your mind and your strength. This is all your thoughts. Are they centered on Christ? Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Your mind is the discernment that you have. Is your mind and discernment of the will of God. Mark Dever says, The fundamental response to God's radical love for us is for us to radically love him. John MacArthur says, just as God loves us with his whole being, 
We are to return his love with our whole being. You may be saying, yes, but why? Am I not doing enough? Well, I'm not preaching about dead works. I'm preaching about your heart's desire. I'm preaching about your soul's desire. I'm preaching about your mind's desire. About where you are in your identity with Christ. You see, Christ came and he was the death of death. We were all headed for death, but Christ came. That way we didn't have to spend eternal judgment in hell, but that we could be in heaven with him. Christ's heart, he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. The love in his heart was to forgive us, to be the propitiation for our sins, to take our place. His soul, when he gave up the spirit for us, When he died in place for us to die a death, uh, to live a perfect life and to die a death that we could not as the perfect sacrifice. His mind and Gethsemane, if the death could pass, he asked that it would. He said, but not my will, Father, but yours. Jesus became sin who knew no sin for you and for me. God is calling us to take up our old self and to put on a brand new. And in my life, I know that I said that I was a follower of Christ and that that was the boldest statement that I could have ever made in my entire life. However, I was a liar. To say that I am a follower of Christ is to say that every part of me is to reach out for him and to live for him. But I was dead in my works. I was trying to look right, act right, be right, smell right, all the rights that I could do. And if there was somebody who was not, I was quick to judge them and say that they were wrong. I said, hey, guess what? God loves me so much that it, don't, it doesn't matter about the rest of the Bible. I know that he loves me. It's called hyper grace. It's whenever they say that you can come to Christ and live a life in him without a life change. But that's not what Christ is calling us to do here. With all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your heart means that you are completely changed and transformed. And all that lives inside of you is Christ. Ephesians 4 says to take off the old self and put on the new. Yes, but how? Some of y'all are going to recognize these. What Jesus means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind is that you shall have no other gods before me. Is that you shall make no idols. It says you should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And that you should keep the, hab- the Sabbath day holy, not just the hour. Those are the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments that was given to us. And Christ is saying that whenever you're submitted into the love of God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, that those first four commandments is what you're living for. John fourteen fifteen it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I'm going to let y'all know something because this is where I was. 
Just because you believe that there is a God does not mean that you have saving faith. James 2.19, it says that even demons believe in God and they shudder. Demons know the power of God. They know that God exists, and yet they're still demons. However, saving belief is rooted in the love of God. 1 John 4.16 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in God, and God abides in him. It's about our devotion. It's about our desire, and it's about our discernment. Your heart, your soul, and your mind. What is your identity? And you're going to say, hey, guess what? I'm not perfect. The Bible says I'm not perfect, I, they, it, that I sin. I know that. We fail, we sin. I fail, I sin. I do bad. Trust me. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect, but in Romans chapter 7, Paul, who's wrote majority of the New Testament, he says that even though that he sins, his desire is to love what is right and that he longs to do what gives honor to God. You see, there's a difference. God's not saying that you will ever reach perfection, but what he's saying is that you should desire it. Only Christ was the perfection that should be living in your heart because he was perfection. That's why he died on the cross in place of you. And until you come into the understanding and know that because God has loved us that we can love him, until you understand that, until you understand the love that we are to have for Christ, then we have missed the gospel completely. We have missed why we're here completely. At that point, rather than being followers of Christ, we just became spectators of God. Paul Washer says, a lot of people think that Christianity is you doing all the righteous things you hate and avoiding all the wicked things you love in order to go to heaven. No, that's a lost man's religion. A Christian is a person whose heart has been changed. They have new affections. Paul Washer also quoted, he said, take your relationship that you give to God, everything that you give to God, Go to your employer and offer the same amount of time, energy, and effort and see how long you have a job. Take those same affections that you have for God and give them to your friends and see how long they remain your friends. And then again, take the same amount of love, care, devotion, and affections you have for God and give them to your family and see how long you have a family. The reason why this is so important is because we learn in verse 38 that this is the great and first commandment. These are the things that we should be following above all else. With all of your devotion, your desire, and discernment. And I waited to say my main point to the very last, but it's this. God is calling you to obey him and his commandments with all of yourself and love. You see, whenever I lost my job and I lost my girlfriend, I found out that I am nothing. That as long as my identity is rooted in this world... As long as my identity was rooted in the agenda 
that I felt like I could accomplish at the local church in which I served. As long as my identity rested in things of this world that I would always and forever be left broken. It was until I learned that my affections have to be fully committed to Christ and that all of my being and identity has to be consumed with Christ that I learned what God has called us all to be. God is making a day. It's a day of judgment, friend. A day whenever you're going to have to stand before God and answer. He will judge the world and he will say, why should I let you into the kingdom of heaven? Your good works will not do. Just because you looked right, dressed right, acted right, and went to church and tithed, did your devotions, that will not do. Just because you were a good person will not do. The only answer that will work is the greatest commandment that God has called us to. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. I'm going to ask the piano player to please come and play in the background. And I would like everybody please to bow your head and close your eyes. This is the most important time of the service. If you're here today and you claim to know God, I want you to ask yourself, are you living in a way of the greatest commandment? of loving the Lord your God with all of your soul, all of your heart, and all of your mind? Or is your identity rooted completely in yourself for things of this world? If you don't know Christ today as your personal Lord and Savior, He is calling you to saving grace, a saving faith in Him that can save you, that can take the identity that you do not have and rest it completely in Him give you something to live for God is calling us to follow the greatest commandment his greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all all of your soul with all of your mind